This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, Lead Mastery Coach at All-Star Dental Academy and President of Vickery Coaching. And I'm super excited, guys, to interview our guest today, Dr. Emily Latran. She's a serial entrepreneur. I love it. Uh, CEO of multiple dental practices. She's a private coach to many professionals. As an international speaker, she's been on TEDx. I'm so jealous of that. Uh, she's shared the stages with countless business leaders, including Sharon Lecter, co-author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I love that book. Uh, let's see, Dan Clark, Hall of Fame speaker, Dr. Howard Ferran of Dentaltown, and Linda Miles, as you guys all know, the ultimate mentor uh, in dentistry. She's been featured on several magazines, uh, including Dentaltown, Global Woman, CBON, as well as uh, on media, Yahoo Finance, USA Today, and Fox. She's a contributing writer for Dental IQ, DrByCuspid.com, and Dentistry Today. Dr. Latran is the founder of Exceptional Leverage, Inc., host of Action to Win seminars, and author of several books, as well as a certified Colby consultant. So welcome, Dr. Latran. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for um, creating this platform so we can share some of our stories and our insights. Yeah, yeah. No, so glad to have you. As you know, uh, we've been discussing stress a lot lately, and I really wanted to pick your brain on the subject as, you know, dentists are, they're not only wondering, uh, you know, for themselves about how to handle stress, but but really for their team members as well. And Mm -hmm. so today we're going to talk about how do we stay productive, you know, as a dental office without this uh, just stress weighing on us and wondering, you know, what's the future hold for us. And so we'll go through some uh, points and I hope provide some action items for, for our doctors uh, so that they can really, you know, put into action some great results. Okay. So my my first question for you, Dr. Latran is (laughs) what do you think would be the, the biggest contributing factor to your success? Obviously you've, you've done a lot. So how did you get here? Well, you know, I think um, there's always multiple factors to contributing to our success. But for me, I think uh, part of it is the drive and the commitment uh, to do certain things. And that, that most likely has to do with my personal story. I was actually born in, in Vietnam mm. during the Vietnam War, the, um, the late 60s. And so I grew up during the war. I wasn't in the middle of the bombings or anything because I was in the city, that, that was the last stand before um, Vietnam fell into the communist hands. But every night watching on TV would be images of the war, right? There, there's always bombing, there's dead bodies, and there are people fleeing villages. My, my family always told me, hey, um, during the bombing of the, of the TED, the offensive, um, your mom was pregnant and running into bomb shelter with you, right? <clears throat> and, and these are things that kind of stuck in your head, knowing that you have grown up during that kind of a period and knowing, obviously, how much protection and, and <clears throat> kind of planning, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of planning that your parents would have to do um, in order to survive that period. So, um, so I grew up like that. And then when I was eight, that's when, when, when I was eight, that's when the the communists took over, mm. um, 1975. And you know, it, it just turned life upside down. Um, 
the government control everything. When uh, if you have a chance to read the book 1984, that's pretty much it, right? When Big Brother is always watching over you, even to the point of your personal relationship. And um, then a year after the communists took over, my mother passed away. And so we, we live in an extended family with my, my dad and his sisters, and they all have kids. And a couple of years later, the Vietnam was going to go to war again with Cambodia in the West and China in the North. And this is when you have that massive exodus of Vietnamese fleeing the country as refugees. And my aunt decided to leave at that time. She was taking her children and my older brother. They were drafting all the young men to go to war again. And my dad sent me with her because he said, even though, you know, I'm a girl, but I got to go. I'm the, I'm the oldest girl in the family uh, and I got to go help her. So I was 13 years old, left the country with her and uh, I never saw my dad again. So I think living, you know, escaping on a boat at, at, for a week on the ocean and ending up in a refugee camp and living there for several months where basically your main activity every day is getting in line to get one bucket of fresh water for your family. And because you live off that one bucket of fresh water and um, you know, just trying to learn English. Uh, that was, those are the activities for, for several months in the refugee camp. So when I came to the United States, I think my luggage was just, it was just hope and faith. Because you don't, you don't know what, what holds ahead for you. And, and for me as a kid, it, it was good as a kid because I didn't have the worries, right? I didn't know that much to worry. I can understand my aunt at that time would have worry a lot. But when I came to this country, my thing is always about, you know, I got to live up to all that sacrifice that for my dad to be able to send me, um, for my aunt, she was a single parent and there were seven kids with her here. Because um, we, we were all, a couple of us come from one family, a couple of us come from another family. So she was raising all of us. So it's always that feeling of, um, first of all, having gratitude, right? Recognizing the sacrifice. And then the second one is to give back. Because as you know, somebody first comes to the country, especially as refugee, we don't have anything. So we've got a lot of things given to us. We, we had the welfare, we had food stamps. I went to high school, I got my free lunches. Um, I, I bike to school every day and, you know, I, I could see other people driving their cars and for lunchtime they take off and they go to restaurants and I'm over here in this lunch, you know, in this line. But all of those things, it just, it, it just make me realize that there's only one way to go, which is up. Because while I'm starting, I didn't have anything. And, and that I know that the only way to go up was with education, right? Because I can't compete on other stuff. <laughs> no school is where I'm going to make a difference, give myself an edge. So I've always been very driven when I was in school, actually um, finished undergrad in three years, Phi Beta Kappa. Um, yeah, I still remember the, uh, the, the school calling me, congratulations, you got Phi Beta Kappa. And, I, and, I, and then I said, uh, what is it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, how much is it? <laughs> 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 Be 
Because you imagine for, in so many years, it's like focus, focus on studying. Uh, every time there's a break, I'm working, right? Two weeks before spring break, I'm going to call up Apple One and say, hey, I'm available for, for um, a week. Where can you put me, right? Uh, during the summer, I would be taking a class in college in the morning, and then um, I would take a job. And then sometime I would go to evening class or the other way around. I can't remember, but I know I was always busy yeah. uh, be because like there's a goal, right? There's a goal that, you know, you got, you got to get a good job. You need to come out and help the family. And, and then I went to UCLA for, for four years. I finished my DDS and my um, master's degree in the same four years. So um, when, once I come out, I, I was listening to, I remember listening to Dr. Woody Oaks. Uh, you know, practice management, actually wasn't listening, was watching a, a VHS. And he said, one of the way to grow fast is to buy another practice, right? Which is very true because you can simultaneously grow multiple locations instead of just doing one. Yeah. And um, now that I know my Kobe index, I understand why I did that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, from, from 97 to 2004, I bought three practices. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then and then I have to move because the practice was growing. So there was tenant improvement and so all these <laughs> and, and and you know, dealing with the practice growth. It's one of those very true growing pains, right? Where you grow too fast and you haven't quite figured out what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and then of course the family was growing. I have three children. My husband is an engineer, so he leaves in the morning and he comes back in the evening, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would be going up in the morning, drop off the kids, go to work. Sometime in the middle of the afternoon from 2 to 4, I would go pick them up, take them to either the babysitter. Sometime when they were older, they came to work with me. Mm -hmm. And I came back and I worked for two hours from 4 to 6. And then, then I go pick them up and then we go home. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and I think the management of all those tasks and the focus of, okay, I got to do three things. Which one do I give it the priority and still come out okay? Why, why would I not care if somebody say something about me? I, I still remember I had a, a patient who wrote a bad Yelp review mm -hmm. and the patient said, what kind of dentist leave in the middle of the day to pick up kids and come back late, mm. right? And I'm thinking, well, that would be my kind because <laughs> sometimes when you come back, you hit traffic or whatever it is. It's yeah. the kids, the kids get out at two thirty, so I have an hour and a half to pick them up and come back. But sometimes you walk in, you know, five minutes late or whatever. And this particular patient was very picky. But I, what I learned is, if that's important to me, then I don't care if the patient have that complaint, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I, th I think it just build that resilience, knowing yourself, knowing what's important to you, sticking to that no matter what. And um, about five years ago, I decided to, to add um, high performance coaching to what mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. So to, to help doctors kind of figure out their, their mindset, um, how they're how they going to run their lives growing the business and still have a great personal life and a business life. Because mm. I think a lot of us go through that challenge where we, where we say, okay, we're home and we're working around the office and we're at the office and 
and we're feeling guilty about not being home or being with our kids. And um, since I've been through that, and I think I came up okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> I decided I, I want to I want to share that knowledge. Yeah. And um, and of course, as you know, when we're running a dental office, uh, we're dealing with the staff, right? Mm-hmm. Which are a lot different personalities. And um, that's why I recently became a Kobe certified consultant because that particular system would help us deal with the different, not personalities, but the, the, the different ways of people approaching tasks mm-hmm. where we're not going to stress everybody out. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I've been very, very fortunate, very blessed that I've been able to learn from different gurus and mentors, you know, with Dr. Woody Oaks. And then I watch the 30 video taped from Dr. Ferran. Mm-hmm. 30 day know, MBA. 30 days MBA got a big box. <laughs> and, you know, and I learned from Dr. Um, Dr. Stevens at Kisco, a million dollar uh, team, you know, from all of those things and putting it together and, uh, you know, staying on, staying on path and being able to, to grow my practice and grow my family. My daughter is now, uh, in second year dental school at UCLA. Nice. So yeah. So um, it, awesome. it's been it's been a great journey. That's awesome. So uh, and I'm just taking notes like you wouldn't believe here, but I, just to summarize some things. So I think uh, you know in your success, if you had to define your success, I'm saying here gratitude because you were able to recognize some sacrifice was being made, and you didn't you didn't take that for granted. You really were able to say, okay, I'm going to make something out of this. Obviously, you felt like education was where you could be competitive and where you found your drive. And then as, as things really came through, you realize yeah, I got I to gotta be really good at management, managing, prioritizing, and systematizing uh, what it is that's about your practice and what's important to you with your family. So balance. And, yeah. and that's where you've got that high performance coaching mentality and drive. And so I think that's amazing. So I, I love that story. What a, what a, um, uh, what a what a you need a, have you written a book about this already i know uh, of course <laughs> yeah my goodness yes yes i i've written books about it it's, you it's always part of my talk yeah because sometimes when people people see you they just assume that you know you're just like a typical person yeah, sure right yeah. um you come from a middle class family or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah no what a success story that's amazing yeah that's amazing all right, so let's take that, and I, I want to know. I want. I really want this time when when they're spending uh, their their valuable time listening to podcasts to get something out of it they can tangibly apply. So yes. I know that we've been talking about controlling stress. So what are some tips? Obviously, you've had some stress in your life, but can you give us some tips about controlling stress? Yes, of course. Um, I think the very first thing for us to be able to control stress would be to have clarity. And clarity here, I mean, to know what you want. Mm -hmm. And we're not talking about, oh, just write down some goals, right? Which is always great. But clarity in the sense that is it in alignment with your values, right? And is it something that you're gonna be proud about? And do you know how to get to that? So I'll give you an example. A lot of time I talk, I may talk to, a a colleague, and then they say, oh, I want a million dollar practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would ask them, well, why a million dollars? Well, because everybody wants a million dollar practice. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, then why don't you want a $5 million practice? Yeah. Well, I, well, I don't know. 
But why do you even want a $1 million practice, right? So, but if, but if you say, and, and, and sometimes when I give them certain tips, let's say to increase their income, and, and they think, oh, you know, this is all about money. Um, you, you know, you're, you're that kind of person. Well, it doesn't matter if you increase your net income, even though, you, you know, make you really rich. It's what you do with that money, right? What if you increase your net income and what you do is you want to, you, you start a nonprofit. Uh, you give it away to, uh, you know, your church or your religious organization, uh, which I do have a nonprofit. But what I'm saying is, if you don't understand what you're gonna, what your goals are, like what you're going to do with the money, then it sounds like, okay, getting a lot of money is like a greedy thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I mean by having the clarity is, is knowing exactly what you want and whether or not it's in alignment with your values. So in that case, you need to know your values also. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of time it's hard for people to make a decision because they're not clear where they stand. Um, what, should I listen to this person or that person? Should I do this or should I do that? But if you're very clear in who you are and what you want, it just uh, it just get a lot easier to make that decision, and it's a lot less stressful. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. Yeah. That's so yeah. good. Yeah, the purpose, and, purpose yes, behind how, getting there. Yeah, right, right, and then the energy. Um, how much energy do you have? Of course, uh, the, the, all of us, we start in the morning at nine o'clock and then at, by six o'clock, which is so tired. And then we go home and we short temper with our spouse. The kids want to come and tell you whatever there <laughs> is and you don't feel like listening to it. Or maybe you still have to cook dinner and, and you're, you're just so tired, right? And then maybe you forget, oh, I didn't do whatever such task from from work, I forgot something. So, so my thing is about keeping your energy up every hour, right? Maybe you can take a short walk, just get out of your office, walk around the building, come back. Um, maybe you can just go to your room and just close your eyes. Cause we, we dentists, we're working using the loops and we're just focusing like this all the time, mm. right? So um, it's the same thing as when you're doing a long case, you just walk away from the patient just to get your eyes off of the case and you come back in and you refocus, but this is to do it very intentionally. And that's the key word is, you know what? I'm going to give myself a five minutes break. I'm going to go drink water. I'm going to go sit down in my room um, for five minutes while they sitting the next patient. Um, I, you know, I want to keep up my energy so that I'm fresh at six thirty, seven o'clock when I drive my car to my house, when I walk into my house, I need to give my family the energy that they deserve and not the leftover energy that whatever already got drained and now I'm bringing that home. So I, I think a lot of time people get stressed. People get stressed out because they say, I'm, go home, I'm home and I'm so tired and I feel guilty and I can't play with my kids. Or if I go to, if I go to work and I have some situations like a babysitter situation, then I'm over here and I'm stressed because the stress takes up a lot of your energy and unless, and, and everybody has stress. I'm not saying that we can totally get rid of stress. I'm talking about alleviating that, decreasing that, how to combat it, right? When you, when you walk through a, um, an airport, I was actually flying yesterday. You walk through an airport, you see so many phones being plugged in because we are all afraid that our phones are going to die. <laughs> <laughs> So we need to recharge our phone. Yeah. And my question to the listeners is, 
when was the last time you recharge yourself? It's good. Yeah. When, when was the last time you say, I'm just going to take today off or mm. one day off because I need it. I need mm. to recharge myself or I'm just going to do this particular vacation. I mean, for years, my, my youngest just um, finished high school, the starting college. But for years, my vacation is around their vacation time, right? Because it just makes sense to, to have the whole family do it. But what if I just say I'm taking today off because I want today off. I need, I need the time to recharge. I need the time to rest. Yeah, sabbatical. And, and, yes. And, and thirdly is your productivity. And by productivity, what I mean is to prioritize things. Do not say yes to everything because people, people like us, when we have um, like a position in the community, then we tend to say yes, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> patient, patient come and say, can you come to this, right? This meeting. And um, can you go to this fair? Can you do this? Can you do that? I, I have a client. She said, yeah, I go to chamber meeting every whatever morning, Tuesday morning. And, and I've been doing this for so many years, et cetera. And I said, well, do you have to go to the meeting yourself? Or can somebody else go for you? Because once you establish that image, this is my dental office, this is how we practice, this is the kind of patient you cater to, I mean, you should be able to just switch and have your office manager go, right? Well, you don't have to go all the time. So thinking about how to leverage people, how to leverage resources, how to leverage the expertise of other people, right? Like having a coach or a mentor or consultant. So that way you can, you can put in the effort still, but you can maximize the result and the ROI, and that's how you're going to control stress. So I would say having yeah. the clarity, having the energy, and know how to be productive. That's great. Yeah, we, I've always said to clients, you know, you want to be doing le- legally what you're obligated to do. And so if you right. can have someone else doing those things, you got to be able to do that. That's mm-hmm. that's leverage. I'd love that. And then mm-hmm. I love what you said about the energy and just taking a break and going away. And I, I had this vision in my mind of what you're talking about. It's like when you're doing a puzzle, you know, you lay a puzzle out on a table right. and you can't figure right. out where the pieces go, but you walk away for a while, you take a break, you rest your eyes, you come back and you go, oh, it's right there. And you grab the piece and you plug it in and it makes sense. Right, right. I get it. But, I get it. but to do it and to, to do it on an on a hourly or maybe every two hours and make it very intentional, make it part of your day. Right. I, what I find is with um, productivity, it's just all about intention. Yeah. Why yeah. somebody does more than somebody else in the same 24 hours is because they set out the, the intention. They have their agenda. Mm-hmm. I need to accomplish these three things today. And if you're not part of the agenda, <laughs> the mm-hmm. answer is no. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. unless, unless it's an emergency. Yeah. Right? I, um, I was joking about this and I, I wasn't joking, but. I realized that I was practicing this all this time before I got certified, I got trained. When I bought my first practice, this is back in 1997, I remember telling my staff, I only come to the phone for two people, the babysitter and the school. And they go, what if your husband called? And I said, what did I say? <laughs> it's the babysitter and the school. <laughs> So the husband is not even, in the, you know, don't, don't, don't come tell me, you know, your husband's on the phone because I'm not going to come to the phone Yeah. unless it's an emergency. But if it mm. was school or babysitter, because it both have to do with the kids, right? Yeah. And, and you're going to have to make the decision 
Okay, yeah. then for the for those two, I will come to the phone. It's your priority. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. other than that, take a message. Let me know when I'm done with the patient. What's the, uh, there's that Punit square, that four square, what's got your time, right? Important, not important, urgent, not urgent. And you right. classify those things that way. And I think what you're saying is, yeah, it could be important, but it's not urgent, you know, but when it's the kids, right. it's, it's important and it's urgent. And, it's and, and it's urgent. Yeah, that's right. My husband calls it's unimportant, not urgent. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you a story that the school called me one day at two o'clock and school's out two thirty. They call me at two and they say, come pick up your kid. And I go, it's another 30 minutes. I'm, I'm going to leave at 2.30. And I said, no, no, you need to come pick up your kid. Because I said, what happened? And they said, um, well, had a little accident you know, in the pants. And I, <laughs> here I am try, <laughs> driving to school. And here's my kid. It was funny because he was sitting in the nurse's room uh, and on a bib, right? They put a bib and he sat on there. <laughs> and I was looking at him and I said, what happened? And apparently we got too much fun during, um, you know, recess or whatever. So we did not go to the bathroom <laughs> during recess. Oh, and, yeah. then, and then we had this accident. But, yeah. it, but, but I, I still remember because I, I kept ask, telling the school, no, I'm, I'm going to be on my way in 30 minutes. And they say, no, you have to come pick it up right yeah. now. So it's all about what you think is important for the school. That was very important. You're going to go mm. pick up your kid. Yeah. Right. And, and, and then, even though you know that it's, it's on list, um, I may be obligated to see the patients right now, but you also have to be a little bit adaptive yeah. uh, and, and understand that. Flexibility. Some people, so, yeah, yeah. And then some, some people, it drives them crazy if they can't follow a rigid schedule. Yeah. But, but, but if you know that sometimes things change and you forgive yourself for, you know, I forgive myself for coming back to, to work late five minutes when I was out picking up my kid. You know, sure. um, because because I know that that was important to me, and for whatever reason, I was late. Some people just have that guilt all yeah. the time because they they think they have to be perfect, and that it feels like stress. That guilt feels like stress. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes, it definitely will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about some practical things here. What what would you say is your go to game plan to deal with? the challenges we've been going through, I mean, 2020 has been so out there, you know, pandemic, Mm -hmm. uh, there's this stress from that. There's the economy, there's stress from, you know, what, what I lost, um, what's, what's potential loss coming. So what would you say would be a game plan to deal with those types of challenges? Well, you know, there, there's always challenges, right? There's Mm -hmm. uh, the economy crashing in 20, 2008. Yeah, and then eight, nine, ten, yeah. they say it's going to crash again, yeah. right? And then this this pandemic, whatever it is that happened, I I go to this. It's, I call it like my little blueprint, uh, CAMP, C A M P. So so C stands for clarity, and we already touched a little bit on that. Yeah. But let's say in the time of the pandemic, just for example, um, your clarity is what's most important to me and my family. For me, right? What's most important to me in my family? Sometimes I hear people asking the questions. Uh, I, I'm an associate and I go to work and they don't have in the PPE that mm. I need. Should I go to work or not? Right. For me, that would be something that visit your, you know, your clarity, visit yeah. what's most important to you. I would tell the person, well, buy your own PPE. That they're yeah. not going to provide to you. Just buy it yourself. Right. So when the pan- pandemic first hit, that's what I think about. 
what's most important for me, for my patients, for my staff, for my family. Yeah. And I'm, I make plans accordingly. That's, uh, how, that's how you take action off of that. Yeah. You know what your answers are. Right. I have a set, I have a seven operatory um, office, but yes, I'm going to schedule one patient at a time mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because that's what's recommended. Am I frustrated as hell? Because <laughs> 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 usually I can see three, four patients at a time. Yeah. You know, so, somebody could be um, taking x-rays, you, you know, uh, but now I can't do that. But what's most important to me, right? Mm-hmm. The, again, going back to, to, to the clarity, knowing what's most important in, 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 during this trying time, safety is, is important, right? I could, I could bring the patients in and sit them in every other room and I would be perfectly fine. But then the patient perception is, no, I'm not safe. I, I remember the lady walk into the room. She has a two o'clock appointment. The one o'clock appointment was leaving. And then there was somebody who walked in for like, like a denture adjustment. And she just threw a fit because she told me, Dr. Letran, you have three people in the waiting room. <laughs> and, it was, and it was like, well, this person was just about leaving and you were just about coming in. And um, I mean, I, I could do that texting thing where, where you're going to come in. But I, yeah. I choose not to do that just mm-hmm. because I know I was already booking one at a time. So yeah. it, it's, and then people decided to come in early. I can't control that, yeah. right? Yeah. But, but knowing what's most important to you would dictate your course of action. Okay. And and we so clarity, about, and then and then are you saying so camp? So then clarity number two is action. Then yes, number two you. is action, and okay. the action here, what I'm talking about is action leveraging your natural talents, and that's where the the Kobe system come in because okay. all of us have our natural tendency to do things right. Some of us are very detail oriented. In the Kobe, we call those the fact finders. Some of us are very, very quick. We make quick decisions. We, we like to try new things. Um, we take risks. Those are the quick start. So if, like in my particular case, I'm the, I'm the dentist. I'm a quick start. The rest of my staff are all fact finders. Every time I introduce a new thing, I, I, I remember we were the first office since a long time ago to have an Itero, right? We were, in, we were in Southern California. There were, I think there were three labs or two labs in Southern California that you could send your case to. And otherwise you outsource, you know, you send it to a different lab out of state. Mm-hmm. And, and the staff are like, well, why are we doing this? Right. And here you are, you have to answer them, explain all these things to them. For me, it was like, it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and they, LVI is getting this, so I'm getting this, Right. And, and it may not be scientific-based, but because I'm a quick start, I just jump on. Yeah, I like to try new things. I'm going to do this. This is supposed to be cutting edge. Um, so those kind of things, if I understand my natural instinct and my mode of operation, that's where I go to. But the rest of my team are kind of the opposite direction. Then I need to know how I should present things to them. I need mm-hmm. to give them enough facts so they don't they don't get all get stressed out because I just tend to try new things. Um, I, I, they used to call me one, one year at the Christmas party, they gave me a certificate because, because we recognize, you know, important individuals in the office and stuff. And they gave me her, here's your certificate. And it's a Dr. Emily Letran, multi-personality. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like your uh, own Dundee Awards or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and once I understand the Kobe, I understood why, right? Yeah. Because, because I just like to do, try this, do this. Let's your change moments. this. Yeah, let's change this today. See if it gets better. Yeah. Digital, digital x-ray. I just go from one day to the other. Okay, we're going to throw away all the films and all the film holders and this is it. Moving. And, yeah. So uh, when you understand people like that and you give people the opportunity to operate in their most natural way, yeah. you, just, you just have less stress and you just have more productivity. Yeah, that's that's yeah. very similar to Strength Finder and knowing what your strengths are and what everybody else's strengths right. are and surrounding yourself and just maximizing what everybody else can do instead mm-hmm. of, you know, shunning it or or not letting their light shine, you know, bring them up to a level of, hey, you're an expert in that, so let's use your strengths. I love it. So that's right. so your action is leveraged with the talents and instincts of others. Okay, so yes, so, and, um, and M M stands M. for metrics. Metrics. Oh, I love metrics. Yeah. KPIs, yeah. yes. Yes. And, and specifically, if you want in, in a time of challenge, right, mm-hmm. the metrics I'm talking about are the ones that are going to grow your business. Yeah. Right. So the, the number of new patients, mm-hmm. the number of referrals, the number, you know, how is your recall, the, your retention rate? Where are you spending your dollar money to get your valuable new patient? How much? You yeah. know, what is the cost of acquisition exactly. for a patient and what is the average value of a new patient, right? Yep. Because people, sometimes, some of us, we're just sort of throwing money out there and see where it comes from. And not tracking and, it. And not tracking it. And yeah. then one more company come and tell you, we can do this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be $2,000 a month and you go, well, that's too much. Yeah. But maybe what you forgot to look at is your average value per new patient could be $3,000 mm. or maybe $2,000. All you need to do is bring in one new patient and you'll break even, right? Mm. And we're stuck on the $2,000 mark. And, and if we actually track, let's say a lot of your new patients come from referral, um, then do you want to spend 2000 here? Or I would rather spend 2000 and do a patient appreciation event. I mean, not during the pandemic, but that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I do a patient... I do a patient appreciation event every year and it just just makes you feel so humble. I could have maybe 20 patients in there and with their family, we end up with maybe close to 100 people, mm. but they represent a couple hundred thousand, right? Dollars of revenue just in that room mm. because they are the most, uh, you know, the, the patients who have spent a lot of money or the patients who have referred a lot of patients. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's better to spend that $2,000 on those particular people than maybe on Facebook ads. And that just as an example. Sure. So when you, when you know your metric, it's easy to say, no, I'm going to put the money here. Yeah. Right. And, and I know, because I know it's going to generate the income, it's going to generate the return. Well, how do you know? Cause I've been tracking it. Every That's year. right. That's <laughs> you know? right. So, um, yeah. and, and the P is again, it's about productivity. It's about, leveraging I, I can't tell you how many times we talk to colleagues and they just can't let go they have to know everything they have to do everything hmm. they don't want to delegate delegating right? yeah they they it's, it's it's like they don't it's like they don't trust the staff but you know a lot of time when you don't trust people it's sort of your personal growth issue that that you don't 
you you have a tendency to to question other people. Maybe sometimes you're not even sure about yourself. So yeah. it, it has to do with your confidence, your confidence level. And sometimes, and and I tell people all the time. Sometimes you don't trust your staff to do things right. Okay, I give you that. But did you actually train them? And did you actually tell them what you're expecting out of them? I talk to groups of uh, staff, and when when I ask them, okay, do you know what your doctor's goal is for the year? They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes the doctor doesn't know. <laughs> well, but but you know what I'm saying because sometimes you talk to the doctor and they say, yeah. I want a million dollar practice. That means every month I got to do this much, yeah. and this is the net. And you know they 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 tell you all the numbers, but it's all in their head. And the the manager doesn't know it. The staff don't know it. The spouse don't know it. If you if you went from eight hundred to a million, that's like a twenty percent or whatever increase, right? It's gonna take some work. Maybe you're gonna be stuck in the office sometime. Maybe you're gonna have to do some training. And when you take off and you're not home, does your spouse understand what the heck you're trying to do? Yeah. Right. So you gotta you with you want to be productive. You gotta share what your goals are, so you can get people to support you in getting to those goals. And and, and I think a lot of time that's where the stress is. Um, we want things we don't want to share. We don't want people to support us. We're not asking for help. We're not leveraging other people's strength. Yeah. And 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 then you and then you're you're frustrated and you think you're alone. Yeah. And a lot and, and a lot of time, you're not alone. Yeah, I, I would say too. Figure out where that fr- if you're having a negative emotion, frustration, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're feeling that as a stress. You, you got to work your way back in the timeline and figure out well, where is this coming from? Is it coming from mm-hmm. I feel like I don't have enough money. Well, why don't you have enough money? Then you dig a little deeper, you know, and, and right. maybe you don't know. If you don't know the answer to that, you're not tracking. One of my favorite trackers I use is what you were just talking about, the new patient by source. And then I plug in, what do we spend per month on that source? So we know what, right. is, what is the cost of that new patient to come into the practice? And sometimes I show that to, to doctors and like, I had no idea I was spending so much money on this and getting so little on my return. That right. is adding to the stress because if you don't have enough right. money at the end of your month, you realize, well, this isn't a great source, but this right here is, even though this might be more expensive, it's still a great right. source. I love it. Right. Yeah. Right. So if you make the decision based on math and numbers yeah. and not emotions, yep. it, it's just so much easier. And you can always go back and, and tell yourself, oh, I did. I said that because of these numbers, right? If you base it on emotion, you don't remember your no. state of emotion that day, why you right. decided to do certain things. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, you have to seek out that intuition. You have to see where it's coming from, but you need to be able to justify it with the stuff that makes sense in the numbers. I totally get it. So camp, I got clarity, action, metrics, and productivity. And especially I think right now, the productivity with Lowering your stress means delegating, so you can focus on what's important to you. I love that. It's great. Yeah, and and some some of the doctors, I think during the pandemic, if you if you're in the social media group, they have extra time, so they say, oh yeah, I'm gonna try to learn this, like mm. do a website. Uh, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, I I would rather you dig in and see, look at your patient numbers, yep. right? Look look at your retention. Yeah. And. And try to go back and visit and visit. People would say all the time, "How do I increase, um, you know, my 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 production?" Maybe it's the way you diagnose. 
do you diagnose enough? Did, mm-hmm. did you get did you get enough training where you diagnose? You know, give them a comprehensive yeah. uh, diagnosis, right? And yeah. then what what can you add on to it to increase that production? There's there's talk. Um, I I love it. Well, I don't love it, but uh, dentists would say we don't sell. I don't sell dentistry. I don't. I don't care what you call it. You're selling, right? Case case presentation. <laughs> yeah, that that is that is selling. Well, That's I only right. I only educate my patient. Well, if you're just educated, you're not going to ask for money. And yeah. and and for me, I'm I'm a I'm a very bottom line person, right? So if you say the word sell, everybody understands whatever you're talking about. Yeah. So I may well just use that word. Yeah. And and again, if if you make more money, let's say you're able to pay your staff more or you give them a bonus and it makes a difference in their lives because they can buy more stuff for their kids. They can take the kids on a vacation, whatever it is, where there's extrinsic benefit. It's not just for you, for other people improving their lives. Then I I think that the the drive is a little better. You know, like I, I would feel more empowered and more inspired to do that because I know I'm going to change lives rather than, I want to increase my case acceptance, you know, from, <laughs> from yeah. this to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I will just say this, because you're, you're getting me thinking here. Two things. One, selling is, is, is a term that we, those in dentistry try to avoid and they try to disguise it with things like case acceptance or case presentation. Well, mm-hmm. you do, what you want to do is avoid pressure selling. You're still selling in a great way. And there right. is no, there is no, there's, there is no such thing as educate the patient. And they'll do what's in their best interest. That only works to a certain level. People will not go beyond their comfort level uh, with spending as little as possible when they don't understand the whole perspective of it, as well as people buy for their reasons. So you got to connect all these things. The other right. thing you got me thinking about again is there's only two ways to grow a practice in the metrics. There's you mentioned it more new patients. That's that's one way, and that I think everybody knows that. Oh, get more new patients. Or basically what that means is more patients in the practice. They could be right. overdue hygiene patients. They could be people you haven't seen in a while. It doesn't necessarily have to be just new patients, but more patients to a certain level. There's a, a law of diminishing return too many and it's going to hurt you, right? right. All of a sudden right. now we're, we're not doing it because number two, the second way to grow a practice is more dentistry per visit. So if I'm doing a lot, I'm seeing a ton of patients, I'm doing a lot of little things, I'm going to be stressed out. I'm not going to have that energy. I'm going to be worn out when really what I want to do is do all that dentistry on one or two or three patients in the morning and the same thing in the afternoon. Does that make that agree with align with what you think? Yes. And actually, I usually say those two things plus one more thing, Okay. which is the frequency of the visit. Mm. So um, recalls, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. If somebody is diabetic, <clears throat> excuse me somebody's diabetic, you're going to recommend, uh, you know what, come in every three months. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you add two more recalls. Yeah. And I mean, whatever the number could be. Yeah, you, sure. Um, you can also add that. Um, it, it's uh, like I, the example I usually give is look at McDonald's, right? Yeah. <laughs> How many times they come out with a new thing and they just get you to come in come more back. often. Yeah. And every time you come in, then they add, Let's add more fries, that kind of a thing. Yeah. So now they get you to come in more often and then you're buying more. Yeah. So if you can get your patient to come in more often for whatever ethical yep. reason, right? Yeah. Then, then, then you do that. Somebody who you just done a great cosmetic case, yeah. um, tell them to come in every four months, add one more of your recall appointment. Uh, and, and then of course, when they come in, it's not just you. See the doctors... Um, 
sometimes they say, well, we don't, we don't want the hygienist to sell. My hygienist don't sell. Well, personally, I got rid of hygienists if they don't sell. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's my, that's my reason for having the hygienist. Having one more person in the office that the patient trusts and presenting treatment that, that they see. Of course, it's going to be verified by you, but the conversation could be, Do you know that your smile is crooked? And the patient say no. Well, look at <laughs> the mirror. Yeah. It's actually kind of crooked. Yeah. yeah. And we can, we can fix this. Do you know that your teeth are crooked? No. Well, look at the lower front teeth. Yeah. They're crooked, right? So, so having this kind of conversation where they're going to plant the seeds. Or maybe we already talked about um, Invisalign. And then the patient come in for recall and the hygienist is right there. Supporting well, that. yeah. Last time we talked about Invisalign. Are you ready yeah. to start? I have patients. I have two patients who started Invisalign during this pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they just come in and say, "Okay, about that Invisalign you talk about, right. uh, I'm ready." And yeah. I'm looking. Like, okay, yep. if you're ready, I, I'm good to Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, I know there's more. I want to have you back on to talk about Kobe. Uh, you know, I, I grew up with DISC and I want to talk about the difference and the similarities between DISC and Kobe. So why don't we, uh, let's cover that next time. Can I get you back on? Of course. Of course. I right. would love to be back on to, to yeah. share some of my insights with our friends and colleagues. That'd be amazing. I'd love to do that. In the meantime, you guys can reach Dr. Latran at AmericanDreamCoach.com. And so just in wrapping up, I want to say thank you so much uh, to you, Dr. Latran. I also want to thank those of you that are listening for joining us because I know you've taken time out of your schedule to invest in yourself. And so hopefully you got action out of this. You have some clarity on what you want to do. So until next time, go out there and be an all-star. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.